teach myself for a little while, but um, I can't do what you can do already. So, but now when we have the skateboard contest, it'll be a different story. Okay, buddy? So don't get cocky. Uh, well, this is a season when we walk through a thing we call the Advent candles, the lighting of the Advent candles. And it's very symbolic in the Christian tradition what each of the candles mean and what they stand for. In fact, I'm surprised as I get older how much that what the candles represent is actually what I really strive for in life. And, and, and so it, it becomes more meaningful as I get older what these candles actually mean. And so when we light them, we talk about them each week. Uh, it just, it's more real to me than I think I, I thought about when I was 20 or 21, and, which was a couple years ago. And, but they're meaningful. In the very first week, uh, we lit a candle, uh, the candle of hope. And basically what we say is we have hope in this life, hope in this world. And our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And I think that though, um, you know, as, as a man, I don't go around talking the word hope all the time. It doesn't feel like a manly man uh, word to use. But really, it, that's what we're, we're striving for. And as I'm 41 years old now, I, hope is more important than it used to be. In fact, to get to 41, if I was looking at life now and I was saying, man, I just, I just have really no hope in this life. I, I don't really know what there is to really live for and to strive for from now on. That would be a, a rough and, and sadder shape to be in. But as Paul says in his, in his word in the end of, of Romans chapter 7, thanks be to Jesus Christ because it, it's him that brings hope and meaning and purpose to our lives. And then last week uh, we lit, and I know what you're thinking is, Tom, you didn't light it. Yes, I forgot to light it. But uh, in the teaching, we talked about faith, that we would have faith in this, that the receiving of this hope and to receive what God has to offer of, of our lives, it requires this level of faith and trust, that we'll sit back and we'll say, look, I'm not going to let the, the things of this life, the circumstances of this life, I'm not going to let those things dictate that I have faith in God, and that God is working in my life, he's active in this world, and I'm just going to trust and follow his ways and trust that there's just better life for it, and then there's life eternity, or eternally for me as well. And so this week we come to uh, our third candle, and this is the candle of joy. And this is an interesting word because I, I know that we use joy every once in a while. We like the word happy much more than we like the word joy. Uh, that makes me happy. I'm really happy today. I woke up happier. I'm not very happy today. We like to use that word. We don't speak uh, in the term of joy as often. But if we read our Bibles, God loves the word joy. In fact, we find that if you want to do a comparison of the word joy to the word happy, the joy wins out hands down in God's word when he talks about this word joy. Now, what's really the difference? Um, well, I've heard many people share the difference in joy and happiness, and I'm not sure any of those differences that I've ever heard anyone share accurately grabs it. So we would ask, what does the Bible have to say? What's really the difference in joy in the Bible. And you want to know what the real answer is to that question? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Why? Because when God says, especially in the New Testament, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes through this whole list of things where he says, happy are those who, happy are those who, happy are those who, and he goes through this list, he means the same thing as what's meant all the way through the Old Testament by the word joy. I will bring you joy. There will be no suffering, and joy will return 
the same type of thing. So in God's view, the more correct question to, to ask is, what does God mean by joy? What does he mean by happiness? That's where I think we see a little bit of difference in what we sometimes mean by happiness. You see, I mean sometimes by happiness is um, I'm, I'm kind of thirsty. It's, maybe it's a hot day. That's not this time of year. And uh, I've done a little bit of work and built up a thirst. And I get to go through McDonald's drive through and get myself a sweet tea. Um, right? Wait. Um, my doctor said with those kidney stones I shouldn't have that. So I go through and get cold water. I don't know. That I get a nice sweet tea, right? And that makes me, what do we call that? Happy. Uh, it's a circumstantial thing. It's a temporary thing. It comes and it goes. That is happiness. In fact, that is really our understanding of the word happy. God has a different understanding of the word happy and joy. He says it's something that sustains you. It carries you. It brings satisfaction to your life. And so you can see it's, it's something a little bit different. I want to read you, you a verse, and I want to talk through this for just a second, and then we're going to light our candle. And I thought this morning, we're just going to go out kind of with a, a thunderous singing of a classic a Christian song that, that you know well, and it's called Joy to the World. Works in very well this morning. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Okay, upon me, Isaiah, he's a prophet. His job is to go share God's word, whatever God's word uh, God has told him. Here's what he says, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Now listen to the message of Isaiah. Now this is a great message because when we think of what is really our purpose as God's people, as a church that's gathered here, well, it's really not just to enjoy each other, um, though we do that. It's really not just to enjoy our kids singing, though we did that and we'll, you know, we'll continue to do those things. Isaiah is preaching really the heart of God here in what he just says. Then he says in verse 2, He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. Wow, what's he saying there? That something's about to change here. A new day is coming here where those who are mourning, who are sad, that day is going to end. And they're not going to have to mourn anymore. They're not going to have to be sad anymore. And that God's anger is going to turn to their enemies. Now, what's really going on in the history here, basically what's happened is, we talked about it last week, their sin, their wrongdoing, their mistakes. God basically said, hey, I'm going to turn you over to your own devices. They became prisoners. They became captive. Now God is going to deliver them. And he says, look, you're not going to have to mourn anymore. And my anger, I'm going to turn that to your enemies. Now, that would be a good thing because the people of God had felt God's anger because of their disobedience, so they're pleased now that that anger is going to go elsewhere. Verse 3, and here's the key for this morning. To all those who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks, that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Listen to what he's saying to his people. He's saying, look, Israel, that's what he calls his nation. He says, he's going to give you a crown of beauty for ashes. Now, what does that mean? You might know that phrase. Every once in a while it pops up in a Christian song here or there, and you sing beauty for ashes. In fact, your translation might say just simply beauty for ashes. 
the new living that we're using this morning says crown of beauty for ashes. Is this just kind of like a, a, an analogy, a symbolic thing he's using? Well, not so much. It's actually a real thing that he's talking about here. You see, ashes, if you were to put ashes on yourself, ashes was a time of mourning is what you would put on you. When you were in a period of mourning, you would actually put ashes on your head. And that was to symbolize your mourning and what was going on. You were sad. You know, someone lost their son or their daughter, and it was a time of mourning, and they would put ashes on, and they would wear those ashes. And so if you went around and you saw somebody in ashes, you wouldn't just think, you know, they clean their chimney. You would know they're sad. They're in mourning. They're in a period of mourning. And the law actually allowed you a period of time to mourn. And then there was a period where you were done mourning, and you wouldn't put ashes on anymore, and you would move on with your life. And so this, this is this period. And he says, I'm going to exchange that. I'm going to exchange that for a crown of beauty. Well, what does that mean, a crown of beauty? I mean, if I were to say to you, uh, some of you have a crown of beauty on this morning, we would just think, well, that means uh, I'm more beautiful than the person sitting next to me. Now, that's not the time to do this. So, but it actually meant something in the Old Testament. This crown of beauty was the opposite of this morning was to put actually oil on your head, to anoint yourself with oil. And when you anointed yourself with oil, it meant a time of great blessing. And so you can see the contrast there, that a time of mourning and a time of great blessing. And what he's saying here is, look, your time of mourning is gone. I'm going to take your ashes away, and I'm going to anoint your head with oil. I'm going to anoint you with great blessing now. I mean, think about that in your life. Just put it in your context now, right? Isaiah comes to you, and he knows what's going on in your life. You're having a rough family situation, a rough marital situation. The finances are just crushing you. Maybe it's the result of your past bad decisions, or maybe it was not your fault. It just came on you, whatever. And Isaiah says to you, look, I'm going to take away that. Your time of mourning and struggle, I'm going to take that away, and I'm going to replace it with a time of great blessing. Now, how many of us, how many of us would say, Nah, I'm not really interested, Isaiah. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And we embrace that type of thing. And that's what's being offered to the people of God here in this passage. And then he goes on to say, a joyous blessing instead of mourning. Something that will bring your heart great joy, great happiness, I'm going to bring to your life instead of that mourning. He calls it, and this is a comparison verse, so joy instead of mourning. Here's a comparison. He says, festive, that goes along with joy, praise, instead of the morning, despair. Who likes to live in despair? I mean, have you lived in despair? Maybe you're living in it right now. A time where you're just like, despair, no hope. I don't know what to do. Um, when will this ever, ever, ever get better? That's living in despair. And Isaiah is saying to his people, I'll replace that, guess with what? Festive praise. Now, festive praise, I, I usually just don't do that unless my heart is is somewhat joyful, right? I mean, I guess maybe every t once in a while in my life, I think, oh, I'm a pastor. I better make sure, you know, I put on a good front. Um, I hate those times, though. It's much better when the festive praise just comes out of this joyful heart. That's what's being offered to the people of Israel today. In their righteousness, they'll be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. I love this last verse because he says, look, 
It's not just that I'm going to throw joy your way and you can just snatch it up and walk away and say, hey, I'm joyful now. He's saying, you know where you find the stability of your joy? Do you know where you find the, that great blessing, the anointing with oil, and how it will continue in your life? Righteousness. That's what he says. That now you've received this great joy, I'm going to take away this, this punishment. For them, it was in captivity. I'm going to take that away. And for here, go on and now live a righteous life. Live a life according to God's plan. Live a life according to God's ways and his decisions for your life. There's an equal story. You might know it. It's in the New Testament. Jesus is standing in front of this mob who is ready to put this woman to death, to stone her. He, he, he's very clever in what he says and how he says it. And you might know the phrase, he who without sin casts the first stone. And they all start to go away. It's left with Jesus and now this person. Jesus, without sin, I guess by his own rules, could have cast a stone if he wanted. What does he tell her? Where are your accusers? They're gone. And what does he say to her, her his final words? Go and sin no more. It's the same words of Isaiah here. Now go live a righteous life. I have just exchanged your mourning for blessing here. The mob was going to stone you. I just exchanged that for great blessing in your life. They're gone. I'm going to let you go. Go and sin no more. Isaiah finishes it. They're in their righteousness. They'll be like great oaks. Great oaks. I mean, those are big, strong, strong trees, right? that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Your righteous life, living it out, and the joy that comes with it is for God's glory. And someone comes to know him because of what they see in you. That's the message of Isaiah this morning. And that leads us to the lighting of this candle of joy. In fact, I would say to you this morning, if you have not experienced joy in your life, I just think it's not a switch you can just flip on and off. But it's something that God brings to your life when you're willing to surrender your life and follow him. It's the faith candle we talked about last week when we say yes to God. I'll live my life for you. Or if you're already a Christian, it's like, God, I said the prayer, but man, I've done nothing with it. I want to recommit and surrender and follow that original prayer, that commitment I made to you. It's that faith candle that leads to the joy. And so this morning, I want to say you have the opportunity for that as we pray as, as, as we finish off, you have the opportunity just to say yes to Jesus. Now in just a minute, um, our praise team is going to lead us into our final song. Once they start into it, I'm going to invite you, go ahead and stand with them and just belt out this last song. In fact, what I want to encourage you to is let this last song be almost like a testimony of your joy. If you know what God has brought your life do you, if you know how he's transformed your life and brought joy to your life out of despair, then, the, then it's your job to sing even louder. And, and just let this be like a thunderous testimony to joy in just a minute. Little instruction. Our ushers are going to come and do our offering like we normally do. I'm just not going to introduce it anymore. They'll sing and they'll come. So if, if uh, they're coming through and the buckets are coming, that's what that's all about uh, this morning. But you have the opportunity to say yes to Christ simply by saying yes to, to his joy this morning. You can use your card that's on your, your chair. Just simply write, I want to know about more about having a relationship with Jesus Christ and drop that in. Maybe you're saying, I just need to know how to get back on track. 
let us know that. We'd love to pray for you and talk with you a bit about it. Final thing I want to tell you before we light our candle is next Sunday on the 21st, I'm going to be sharing about the last candle, and it's the candle of love. And my belief in this world is that uh, the church has done a very good job over the last few decades of letting people know what we're for and what we're against. We haven't done as good a job letting people know just about a God of love and a Christ of love. This church is a little bit different, and we really embrace that message of love. And so next week, can I just, can I just ask you or plead with you, invite somebody, somebody in your life who needs a different understanding of God, who needs to know about God's love and about Christ's love, because next week I want to walk through just, just the wholeness of that theology before we light our, our last candle. Sound good? Yeah? All right. So, two weeks ago, we lit the candle of hope. We have great hope in Jesus Christ. Last week, we lit the candle of faith, saying, I declare my faith in him. And this week, uh, together, we're going to light, <coughs> excuse me, the candle of joy.